The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, March 29th, 2019, and you are tuned into the weekly flagship here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking the road to WrestleMania and the road to take over New York. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod on Facebook, Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. I didn't even write an open this week, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me. It's me. It's that order the beauty to be Rick Vickery. Man, we're on a little bit of a delayed record here, but but I am happy to, to report to you, Jargo, to report to the to report to the masses out there uh, that, that I am functioning today. I have survived. The first, the best, the truest opening day in all of Major League Baseball, and that is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yep, Huckleberry was at the game yesterday. How'd things go down there in Cincinnati yesterday? I saw a picture that you sent me of what looked like a freaking parade already. Uh, it's and that that is that is opening day in Cincinnati, and that is just one block leading up to the stadium that I sent you. I mean, you know, imagine that over, you know, over. 10 blocks, uh, an ultimate sea of red, which is, it's funny you said a parade. Cincinnati is a great tradition, our family market parade, which kind of kicks off the season for us each and every year. We were the first ones to do that. And I mean, it's, it's unreal uh, how the community comes out to support that. That thing gets going 10 in the morning. Uh, The streets are lying like that. The picture that you saw, that was early in the morning. The game didn't even get going until 4, 4, 10. Uh, so it's just, it truly is um, an incredible party. Opening day is something that take a lot of pride in in Cincinnati as being the, the first professional baseball team. Uh, and actually, this year celebrating 150 years. 150 years of professional baseball in Cincinnati, Ohio. What in the hell are you people thinking? How'd the Reds do yesterday? Did they win? Uh, we got a big win. Nice. Got nice. a big win over, uh, over a league rival. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, as did uh, my my New York Yankees, getting a big win over the hated Baltimore Orioles. I saw some people smack talking, saying, "Oh yeah, sure, you beat up on the Orioles." Well, you know what, motherfucker, the Orioles owned our ass last year, so I will take that win absolutely. Hey, and it's too, you know, it's a new season. Everybody's coming out fresh. They're, they're hungry, uh, and you want to get out of the gate, get out to that strong start, no matter who you are. Yeah, it's crazy how baseball works. Sometimes bad teams just own good ones. But of course, this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can catch us on HTM Sports Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. I'm sure that we'll have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about with uh, basketball coming down to its final four this week. 
and we're, we're starting to see a lot of things out of the pro day as we approach the NFL draft. We've got opening day in the books, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. It's a busy time of year for us, Huckleberry. And of course, one thing that absolutely adds to that is the road to WrestleMania. But today, I, I, we're going to save WrestleMania talk for segment two, just in case the show ends when we, we talk about the uh, monstrosity that was on Tuesday night. So I thought we'd go ahead and we, we, we'll save all that. Monstrosity. For- Yes, yes, your precious Charlotte uh, uh, must pose. Um, but we'll, apparently, we're watching completely two different things. Monstrosity. Um, I think this is this is amazing. Now, sa- this save, is glorious. Save it for the end of the show. Let's at least get this show yeah. in the can before we, we decide that we're not, never going to do another show because I can't stand to talk to you again. Uh, let's 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 go ahead and let's start with Takeover New York. Um, Huckleberry, I, we, we've got so many shows that we have to preview next week. I thought we might as well go ahead and knock out the Takeover New York preview because the show's next Friday night and I want to get a preview out before the show. Okay, that works for me. And, and I know, you know, what we're going to be talking about here, you're probably going to be involved in a handful of NXT previews over the, this next week. Yep. So I thought we'd go ahead, get get our, our, our shot out early. And then uh, Monday in the locker room, we'll probably do the, the G1 Supercard. And then, of course, next week here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, we'll, we'll have a WrestleMania preview. And I'm dreading that. I can tell you right now, after the Superstar Shakeup, we're probably not going to talk WWE for a while because I, I, just, I, I don't think I can take it. Well, I was going to try to get – I'm okay with not even doing you know, doing it before the shakeup because you know how I feel about that. If you want to talk about monstrosities, to me that you know that is hashtag lowest common denominator booking at its finest. I don't understand why people uh, just are accepting that, that, that they should be excited for that when there's so many other ways that, that they can present roster moves that are exciting throughout the course of the year. But, but yeah, I, I'm all for a movement. We can get everyone behind us, uh, you know, call it a WWE – free week of you know of wrestling or something like that or two weeks a month uh, if you want to i don't care yeah well we'll have to get back into it before money in the bank we have to do something for the superstar shakeup to kind of forecast what in the hell things are gonna lay out for the next year or so that's of course assuming that we're not just killing the brand split because i think that's a very very real possibility at this point as well uh let's go ahead let's talk about the black and yellow take over new york rick there's five matches on this card and all five of them I'm more excited about than anything that's going to be happening on Sunday. Yeah, it's really hard. Once again, when you line up the two shows, you know, even if you, if you take out your absolute best five from WrestleMania, are they, are they comparable to what we're, what we're going to see here in TakeOver? And, but again, you know, it, it's there's such different styles and representations from the brand. Yep, absolutely agree. Let's, uh, let's start things off as they surely will at TakeOver New York, which will be with the Tag Team Championship. That almost seems as though that's become, <clears throat> excuse me, it almost seems as though that's become customary at this point that we open with the Tag Team Championship. Of course, it'll be the artist formerly known as War Machine defending the NXT Tag Team Championships against the new team. That's right. I, I, I've changed it, Rick. I, I started with the tattooed twosome. And then we, we went to uh, Rick and Blackie, and now the, the, the proper name has been staring us in the face the whole time. It's the Flying Dutchman. That's what I'm going to call the, the pairing of Ricochet and Alistair Black. Now, the Flying Dutchman going up against War Machine for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Well, I was going to say, you know, I still I still like that that Rick and Blackie because of just the, the graphic. Are you working on a SpongeBob-esque graphic for the Flying Dutchman? Oh, absolutely. You know I am. Absolutely. 
Is when it, I was sitting there reading that on the run, it didn't hit me until just now. The, the SpongeBob tie-in. Uh, yes. The I was thinking, like, what the hell is he talking about here? <laughs> it's like... The joys of having a five-year-old, ladies and gentlemen. This week on NXT TV, we saw the Flying Dutchman claim the Dusty Tag Team Classic over the Forgotten Sons. Uh, Rick, this Forgotten Sons thing, I, I know that they're kind of clicking for you. It's still just not clicking for me. This match went about 15 minutes, and I thought the last five minutes or so were really, really good. But Forgotten Sons just bore the hell out of me. And I wonder, you know, I like them. I like them that they're doing something with these talents. I think they've got a lot to offer. They could be, you know, a, a, quite a staple within NXT. But I'm wondering maybe if you're, they're not clicking with you, you're not feeling it. Because in a sense, it seems like we are, we're getting this gimmick like repeated every couple of months. Yeah. You know, with that kind of that look and that feel, the message that they bring. It, it just seems every so often, especially down in NXT, that we're seeing this recreated over and over. I have heard a few people that were upset with the result of the Dusty Tag Team Classic because they didn't like the Flying Dutchman beating the Forgotten Sons because they didn't like two singles wrestlers being teamed up together to beat an actual tag team. Rick, does that bother you when it comes to talents like this? Because I, I feel like this is these are two guys at the top end of the card. This is almost like, you know, when, when they put together the Rock and Sock connection. Of course, the Rock and Mick Foley together are going to beat just about any tag team on the face of the planet. I don't have an issue with this at all. Yeah, I guess you can see those two points. You know, people that, that are those traditional ones, you know, that think, you know, that the tag team, those that are in that division should go over. But let's look at this grand picture here. You know, obviously, as you're bringing up, these guys are at the top of the card in NXT. But I think, you know, they've been working since they are working across all these brands that they have probably put in more time together as a team in big matches right now. And, in a, you know, are starting to, you know, compile big wins than the Forgotten Sons. So I'd almost say the experience working together along with the talent favors the Flying Dutchman. Now, the question is, does it favor the Flying Dutchman against an elite tag team like the artist formerly known as War Machine? Because that I would have an issue with. Yeah. In that case, you know, in that case, yes. Then you go with the guys that have the history that truly are known, you know, for tag team wrestling and how dominant they are. That are your champions. In that case, yeah. Then you would you definitely have to favor the champs. What do you think of the presentation of the War Raiders, War Machine, whatever you want to call them, inside of NXT? Because since they won those belts, it, they almost feel like Asuka. Like, they've barely been on TV. They, they feel largely irrelevant to me. And it is a case, is it more of a case, you know, it's not really maybe where they don't have faith in the talent, where they think, you know what, it, this isn't a team that needs to be out there every week. You look at them, you know what they're about. We know their background. And they just, they, they just at times they needed to spotlight other talents that might not be as known or, you know, or as respected or revered or polished as, as the Raiders. My other issue is I, obviously we've had the dusty tag team classic going on for the last month or so. So that excuses them from being on TV because obviously they were going to face whoever's winning the dusty tag team classic. But I feel like the dusty tag team classic this year kind of buried the entire tag division when you have the European Union going out early, you have Undisputed Era going out early. 
Um, who are some of the other street profits went out early. It's like the, the whole tag team division just stunk it up inside this tournament. And you saw teams like the flying Dutchmen who were paired together for this tournament, go on to win it. We, we saw DIY get back together and break up all inside of this tournament. What do you think of the tag division inside of NXT right now? Well, I actually think it's been down for a little while. Uh, where, you know, the focus has been introducing these these singles competitors. I want to say, you know, even going back to six months, really, where it's, you know, and maybe, as I mentioned here, that could be by design. Less is more. Maybe they're thinking less is more. They didn't want to, you know, especially with the Raiders, if you're got if you running them out there every week, I mean, it exposes a lot of the, the lack of size with, you know, the, you know, their challengers. So you, you maybe you go more with like that Brock Lesnar approach where, you know, you've got these much larger champs. It's a, it's special to see them, but you're definitely right because it hasn't received maybe the attention as, you know, as the North American title or, you know, the world or the women's or the, or the NXT or the women's so that we're, it's starting to fade for us. It's unfortunate, too, because I don't see a whole lot of big, you know, independent tag teams out there in the landscape for them to be bringing into the performance center right now. We, we may be rebuilding this entire division down inside of NXT. Uh, uh, did you have a chance to listen to the Triple H media call for TakeOver New York? Uh, I caught some of the highlights. Cut some of the highlights from it. I thought this was absolutely one of the highlights. Hunter said on the media call that nothing is set in stone yet about Alistair Black and Ricochet as far as whether or not they will continue to appear on NXT after WrestleMania weekend if they are unsuccessful in their NXT tag team title match. Obviously, if they are successful, they will still be defending those titles inside of NXT. Uh, but Rick, after the Dusty Tag Team Classic, after the cameras cut, evidently Ricochet and Alistair Black took to the microphone and announced to the full sale crowd that this was their last set of tapings for NXT. Doesn't that just kind of forecast the finish to this thing? I, War Raiders are going over, right? Well, I mean, let's look at this big picture. You, you and I have been the ones pushing this thing, and, and now that it's getting out there, it's picking up a little steam. Is, are they laying the groundwork here for the Flying Dutchman to, to challenge for every? championship at wrestlemania I, I know this is right around the corner but they could throw them into these matches here well it seems as though they're really the only team that's out there to challenge either the revival or the usos right well obviously you have to get into something because and i can't believe that we haven't had more any kind of really thing with besides social media right with the with the hardys and the usos yeah, the, the Hardys and Usos was the original plan, as was Aleister Black and Ricochet versus The Revival. I, I That's what I've heard for the better part of six weeks now, that that was the plan going into Mania. But now it sounds like, much like Asuka, the tag team divisions have just been scrapped from the card. Well, and we've seen, I know we're going to get to all that, that there was that rumor that they were going to drop some, some championship matches uh, to make room on this card. But now I just don't see, you know, with... What's going to end up being seven plus hours? And if you could put together something, especially with talents, you know, like the Hardys and the Usos, I don't understand. Even within a week, you know, just go ahead and come out and tell us that you're going to give us a TLC match. But those include those three teams. Then you've got Flying Dutchman. They just went over the Raw champs, pinned them this past week. 
So now they've got their right to they want that challenge for the actual championship. Now they've won the Dusty Classic. They're going to challenge here. I just think it would be in a weekend for WWE where there isn't all that much in the grand picture to get excited about. That would be something, you know, great for the undercard stories. It would also be great for NXT to, to still have the potential of Ricochet and Aleister Black being around for takeovers and tapings, because while there's a lot of talent inside of NXT right now, there's not necessarily a whole lot of star power inside of NXT right well, now. Well, and what makes me, you know, what kind of now we're talking about this, how cool would it be? Sure, maybe it's the swerve. Maybe it's all a swerve, because they know it's going to get to the to the sheets. They know it's going to reach our ears out here. So let's go ahead and say that this is our last taping. They don't think we're coming back. And then, boom, they win the titles. You're damn right you're coming back. On top of that, though, as they make their way out to challenge for the Raw titles at WrestleMania, they're wearing the NXT championships. I could get on board with so, that. So now you're getting some exposure there, uh, which apparently is you know is an idea that is completely, completely absent from the minds of WWE when it comes to the red and blue and, and cross-promoting those brands. Let's talk about the North American Championship. It's going to be the Velveteen Dream defending the NXT North American Championship against the original bro, Matt Riddle. Uh, This week on NXT TV, we saw Matt Riddle take on Kona Reeves, and then one of the strangest things I think I've ever seen inside of a pro wrestling context, Velveteen Dream and his attendants are wheel out a freaking couch up on the stage we've got the purple lights we got the fog we've got dream drinking out of some kind of crazy goblet i really thought kona reeves was gonna get matt riddle there but no matt riddle is better than kona reeves and even with the distraction he takes down the finest rick what did you think of this entire setup for the north american championship match you know my first thought was this thing i had sit there i was loving it and i'm thinking myself only the dream uh, how perfect was the setting for it? Yeah, it, it works with Velveteen Dream. It wouldn't have worked with anybody else. Well, it fits right into what he is. You know, what the character is. When What I really like from it, because what we have seen so often on the red and the blue is those distractions where you see that, you know, the, the favorite, and not by favorite, I don't mean like the fan favorite, but obviously who should win the match, you know, eats a, eats a pin off of distraction. And we have Riddle work through that. He's yeah. working through the mind games. Yep, he's just playing better than Kona Reeves. Uh, this match itself, going into TakeOver, uh, you talk about something that, that fans are really looking forward to coming up at, you know, for WrestleMania weekend. This has got to be right up there, isn't it? Yes and no. Um, like, I'm, I'm excited for this match, and I'm really hoping this match is going to be good. But last night, I got to thinking about it as I was watching this Matt Riddle and Kona Reeves match. I also kind of, like... Styles make fights, and these two guys have about the most opposite styles that I could possibly imagine. I think this thing is going to be really, really good, or it's going to be really, really bad. I don't necessarily see a whole lot of middle ground. Well, when it comes to the styles, I I agree with you 100%, and that should be a concern. But let's not forget, too, that they're working with each other every day at the Performance Center to iron out all those issues. There is that, and that absolutely helps. Uh, The other question that I had... Didn't this come across as heel dream? Like, did, did Velveteen Dream turn heel again? Like, I I, I know we kind of got this tweener thing going on with, with Velveteen, but it feels like for months now he's been completely babyface, and now we're right back to the Velveteen Dream that we had last summer. 
I think he's one of those characters where, you know, as I always tell you with Randy Orton, it's not about what side of the fence you fall on, baby or villain. You're just that persona. So the dream is just the dream. And it works in his dynamic because he's living in his own world. We're all just we're all just having the you know the pleasure and opportunity to view the world that as he sees it. We're we're, we're living the experience. That's what's going. Yes, on. Right, there you go. We're living the experience. Um, now I, I feel very much like with the North American Championship. I feel very much the same way I did with the IWGP Championship going into Madison Square Garden. This title. I want to see Matt Riddle win this title, but this title feels like it's just getting bounced around and nobody can defend it. Do we really want dream to lose his first title defense? Well, I was thinking about this. This was the last thing I thought about before we were going on air and it's really breaking this down. We also have the announcements of the next takeover, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, Coming up in June. Yep. Yep, we'll talk about that here in, in just well, a little bit and what I, it means what for thinking. the calendar. So we, we always have that, that summer stop. So I would like to see here Dream go over, continue that run a little bit. But keep and if the match is good, this program has been good between these two, keep it rolling and roll these two into the next takeover, then make the switch, and then put Dream into the title picture. I guess my other thing, too, the is NXT, the top title picture. That's that's the other thing that kind of goes into it is it, especially if Johnny Gargano is going to win the title because Dream has owned Johnny Gargano. And I think that would be, you know, you're talking about the NXT championship at in Toronto for the SummerSlam takeover. I mean, that's going to be huge. Yeah. Uh Let's talk about the UK championship. I wanted to have our, our, our good buddy old Athers do a, a little bit of a preview for us, but unfortunately he was away from his equipment. But I did have a nice long conversation with Joe regarding this Pete Dunn versus Walter WWE UK championship match. Oh, it breaks my heart that you couldn't get him on the show because I was really looking to forward. I know he has been hot about this. Yeah, uh, he... he absolutely wanted me to point out that it is fucking bullshit. That's a direct quote from Joe. It's fucking bullshit that this match is happening in New York and not in the UK. And I, I absolutely understand that. Uh, I completely understand his perspective, especially, and Rick, this is a stat that just absolutely blows my mind. This match has never happened before. These two guys have never faced off before. This is going to be the first time that they are in a ring one-on-one, and it's going to be in the United States. Like, I, I feel like if this was a match that they had seen at Progress or WXW, ICW, and they'd seen this match a half a dozen times before NXT UK, people would feel differently about it. But in their mind... It's fucking bullshit that this match is happening in New York, and I have a hard time disagreeing with them. You know, let's, let's break this down. We'll put it in perspective for everyone. This is like if they took a royal wedding and held it in New York. That, that's how big of the moment that we are stealing from them. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that's very much it. And yesterday on the conference call, Hunter said that the next UK takeover is imminent, that the announcement will be coming shortly. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is going to be the match itself. What do you expect it here? Well, it, and again, we talk about a contrast in styles. 
This is a pretty severe contrast in styles, mostly because Walter's style is he's going to bludgeon Pete Dunne. Uh, in, in talking with Joe, we seemingly agreed. I think this is going to be Walter just laying the smack down on Pete Dunne. I, I think you go with Walter over Strong here. Then the question is, what do you do with Pete Dunne? You know, for a while, I, I've been out there saying, you know, Pete should come work more on the States. Uh, apparently, he's against completely against that. He doesn't want to make the full-time move. Yeah, that's I've heard that as well. And in talking with Joe, I was like, so it, let, let's say that Walter just goes out and just destroys Pete Dunn. You know, let's say it goes 20 minutes, but Walter absolutely just destroys Pete Dunn. Then what? And he goes, well, Pete Dunn goes to SmackDown. And it was like, wow, for some reason, as I was thinking about NXT call-ups or or moves, as you would call them, to the red and the blue brands for the Superstar Shake-Up, it never even crossed my mind to even consider any of the NXT UK talents. I got to work them into my thought process more. Well, the reason you, I don't think you were really, you know, have them on that level is because they're not as familiar with the audience over here. And, and, you know, to be honest, you know, they do have the international pool. They are, you know, around the world, but the majority of the shows and and the fans are here in the States, but there are a few that that have reached and connected with the audience here in in North America. And Pete Dunn's the leader of that pack. Absolutely. Pete now, and, Tyler Bate. and I was, we're talking about, you know, we're, we're done has been on the record saying that he would prefer not to have to move to the States, but ultimately, I mean, the decision is the employer saying, well, sorry, you know, we pay you, you're doing what we say, you know, you're under contract, you're going touring with the blue brand or the red or whatever it may be. He would be a hell of an addition to that SmackDown roster. That's for sure. And again, you know, I think a lot of the reason that they, that they made, the choice, the decision to have this match at WrestleMania is, I think a lot of it has to do with what kind of reception is Walter going to get? You got to believe that Vince McMahon has his eye on somebody like him to see, you know, obviously over in the UK, it's something magical, even just on his entrance. Uh, We talk about when you just have that, that star power, that quality, they gravitate towards to him. The consumers over there eat him up. Now, will that, is that going to parlay? Is that going to play in North America? Uh, because with, you know, a lot of the smarts, and that's who NXT has catered to that aren't as familiar with him. We've heard this. They, they don't see it. You've questioned it. What is the overall appeal? I mean, he just comes out and slaps the shit out of people for 20 minutes. Yeah. Me, I personally love that. I love that style. But, we've, you know, a lot of people are circles on them right here on the uh, HGM Podcast Network. You know, a lot of the, the traditionalists and truths that don't see the appeal. I, I know the hustle, a couple guys from the hustle, they don't really get it, right? Yeah. And, and for me, it's not that I, I, I see the appeal. I, I Absolutely, I do. And I, I think Walter is better than just going out there and slapping the shit out of people. But that's what you remember about a Walter match. Uh, my question is, can you do that 255 days a year? That, that, that becomes my problem with it. And once you get past that, what more is there? Well, a lot of it is when you just focus in on that, you know, when that's what Vince see and that's all he's going to sink his teeth into, then you run into a problem where you've got, I mean, right now they don't know how to, they don't, they can't do anything with Braun Strowman every year at WrestleMania. He's into, you know, he's put, put off to the side for these just nonsense kind of, uh, 
carnival acts, if you will. If you want a WrestleMania moment, can you imagine inside of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal a stare down between Walter and Braun Strowman to see who's going to get these hands? Oh, man, what wouldn't that be incredible? Oh, shit. Wouldn't that be incredible? You, you think and we've already and I know we're going to get to there later, but maybe we'll save it for there because I got some different ideas for the Andre. But, man, you, you talk about a moment to remember at WrestleMania, an image like that. Uh, with those two behemoths, that would be incredible. That's what you want. That that's a where fans would be in awe of the moment, and that's what you want to create at WrestleMania. Yep, WrestleMania is about moments. Uh, if Walter would win this matchup and Dunn would move on, and talking with Joe, he sounds like Mastiff would be the man to challenge Walter. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, he is still unbeaten in NXT UK. Does that seem like the next logical move? Yeah, I would I would agree there, but I'd almost want to maybe save that one. Let if Walter does take the title, let him get a couple other programs wins out of the way before we move on to that next big one. Because you know you don't ever really feel a threat from that first challenger. It's a good point. Um, I, I wanted to use a Huckleberry comparison, uh, Rick. When it comes to Walter. I feel like Walter's just Walter being Walter. I, he, he's my new Randy Orton. And, and I mean that in the respect that I Walter doesn't necessarily need to be a baby face. He doesn't necessarily need to be a heel. He can just be Walter. He's just a big badass dude that's going to beat up whoever you put in front of him. And I like that when in a character and a man the size with the demeanor of Walter. I, I agree with you 100. percent You know, with someone like that, and we've seen, you know, how how they have fumbled, dropped the ball so many times with when they tried to make Braun a baby, where he was overly catering to that audience and that style. He could have been taking on heels, but he should have kept the monster presence with him because that's what people fell in love with when you know when he was murdering Roman Reigns, and, and that's people loved it. So if he would have kept on that role with that. But, you know, then he's sitting there, he's little buddy, and he's tag teaming with the kid. An even better example, because they wouldn't just allow him to be a, a dominant monster who would happen to sometimes to be taking on a, a baby face or taking on a heel was Big Show. Because they had just, you know, every how many times, you know, what's the running gag? How many thousands of times has he, has he turned? Yeah. And Braun's already well on his way. That's for sure. Yeah, I like that. That's going to be my new thing. Just Walter being Walter, beating up whoever you put in front of him. Uh, Let's talk about the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Shayna Baszler defending against Io Shirai, Kyrie Sane, and Bianca Belair. Rick, it feels like what they have been laying the seeds for and what I'm expecting in this match because this week on NXT TV, we saw Shayna do it again where she comes out and she just chokes everybody out. I feel like what's going to happen is somehow during this match, Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke are going to get involved and the entire women's locker room is going to come out and make sure that these two are taken out. They're going to be drugged to the back and Baszler is losing this title at TakeOver New York. You know, when we were talking about the excitement for this show, everything going in, I got to tell you, I'm actually, I'm down on this match. Really? 
Yeah, I, I just I think it's just in the way you, even you're laying it out there, the possibility, even with just the four way, I just think it's overbooked. I just I, I feel like the story here is Shayna Baszler believes that she's above the entire women's division. And it's not just that she's above the entire women's division. She's above the entire women's division put together. I feel like that's the story going in here. And Baszler's going to get screwed. She's going to lose this title. I'm just not sure which direction to go when it comes to Io Shirai, Kyrie Sane, or Bianca Belair. Well, and in a, so if she loses the title here, do you keep her in NXT for a rematch, or is she going on the move? She's she's on Raw Monday night as part and, of as part of the the fallout from WrestleMania, or on the Superstar Shakeup a week later. One of the two. I I agree with that, and I think you could do you could. There's a lot that you could do. To, what's it, to really just knock it out of the park, a very impactful red or blue debut for Baszler. There, there's all, so much that could be done, and, and maybe we'll talk about that here in the second half of the show, but where does that leave the NXT women's division? I think having some kind of screwy finish in a fatal four-way, it's, it's, not, it's fatal four-way, correct? Yes. Okay, so she doesn't even have to eat the pin to lose this thing. Right. So it, it, she could get easily screwed out of this thing. It could be easily overbooked and very confused. And to me, if she if she leaves at that point, it overall it sets that division back a little bit. I feel like it absolutely resets the division because while I say you know that Baszler is presenting herself as she is above the entire women's division. At the end of the day, she really is. She she is by far the best person inside of that right. division, and and that shadow is getting so big that it's kind of overshadowing the the whole division. It's almost like we have to get Shayna Baszler out of here for the benefit of the NX or the NXT Women's Division. But again, to me, it's going to take time to rebuild that. It took them so long to even get to this point of rebuilding with Baszler after Oscar just handed the title over. Yeah. It went through, you know, that law period where it was okay, but it just it doesn't feel like it has that intensity or we should be holding it in, in such a high regard because of how, you know, everything was kind of passed around here. It should be about, you know, and it's in in any any one of their brands, any promotion, you know, I feel it, you know, you need to put over, put over the division on your way out so that it's in a better spot than when you took the, took the greens, if you will. I just think, you know, if we get some kind of screwing ending and she moves on, I think it, the division itself takes a serious step back and it's going to take a while for it to rebuild its image. The other problem inside of the women's division then becomes Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke. What do you do with them two once Baszler moves on? Because right now they're kind of playing the crony role. And neither one of them are ready to go to the red or blue brand. I think all with all depending on what you're going to do with Baszler, I think they 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 do lend a great hand to her, and and they could help her, you know, that impact to her debut on the red or blue. If that is the case, I would only have them present with Baszler during television. I wouldn't have them on the road touring with her. I'd still make sure that after you know, a Monday or Tuesday, they're back on a flight to the performance center because it's obvious they still need that very fine detailed attention when it comes to training in the ring day in and day out. So which way are you leaning between EO Kyrie and Bel Air? 
I, as you know, going back to what I said at this point, I don't really, I don't, I don't think it matters because it's not going to be whoever takes this title in this match from Baszler. That's going to carry this division forward. They're just going to be the placeholder until they can figure out how they're going to re-gear what direction they're going in. It's unfortunate because they really had something going with the story with Dakota Kai, and this is where Dakota Kai should be taking this title. It was this takeover. This was Dakota Kai's takeover. And, of course, she blows an ACL, and they, they, they were forced to completely regroup when it comes to the creative. This is kind of takeover regroup. You know, when, when you really look at this card and the way that things have been shaken out from what the original plans were, this is kind of takeover regroup. And I think it's a testament to the NXT creative team that we even got here that we're this interested in some of these matchups. Well, well who, who would you like to take the title? I mean, who's going to be that next step then? Candice. It should be Candice LeRae. No, I, I mean, in this match. Oh, in this matchup? Um, I, 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 I think I got to go Io Shirai. And I think I would have her pin Kyrie Sane because it seems like they've been kind of teasing something between Io Shirai and Bianca Belair. But I feel like the Belair character and the Shayna Baszler character are so close together that you need to go a completely different direction with the champion at this point. And especially because we just, you know, at the the last big marquee, Belair was de- defeated. Yeah. And then, of course, they turned her heel again. And the Bianca Belair character at this point, I, I don't even know how I'm supposed to feel about the EST because her character has just kind of been all over the board since Phoenix. Agree. Uh, let's talk about the main event. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole for the NXT championship currently sitting vacant makes me so sad to see that title just sitting there. I did I did think it was a nice touch that it still had Chompa's plates on the side, though. Uh, this is what Hunter had to say about this thing. He said, Chaos sometimes creates this beautiful storyline. Triple H said that there was an internal conversation between him, Vince, and everyone involved to figure out what works best after Chompa's surgery, which caused a major NXT creative shakeup at the last minute. That included Gargano being taken off the main roster so quickly after debuting, but some of his favorite stories are those that have come out of unpredictable chaos that you can't necessarily plan for. So it sounds as though Gargano is not making the move to Raw or SmackDown, at least not until the Superstar Shakeup. If Adam Cole wins this championship, do you expect Johnny Gargano on the red or blue brand come Shakeup time? You know, to me, this goes back. This goes back to what we've talked about for weeks. And it, when Triple H himself came out and officially recognized, "Hey, we at, we do want to move forward with NXT as its own brand." Even before that, we had talked about the possibility of people long hauls, staples of the gold standard in the brands. And, and to me, you know, with NXT, that Johnny Gargano screams screams that person I'm the poster child for that spot and we've seen the reaction he got on on Raw and Smackdown it wasn't there it was it was flat out disappointing do you, I don't think he would revisit that no at this point I think he's worth more to NXT than he is worth to the red or blue brand um especially a conversation that we'll have here in just a couple of minutes uh but I I'm kind of starting to lean 
Adam Cole. I'm only about 60-40, but I'm kind of starting to lean Adam Cole after this week's NXT opening segment. Do you know what? Going in, we, we've talked about how you'd have this story, this great story. Gargano takes this thing and pretty much controls the NXT championship until Ciampa returns. Would it almost be a better story if even with Ciampa gone, we continue to tell Johnny can't get things done without Ciampa. So he's the one chasing for this, this year, and he can't ever get to it. So when Ciampa comes back, he just annihilates Johnny. Like it's been, it's pathetic, but I've had to sit and watch from you. You've just proven you are the ultimate loser. I can get behind that story. Absolutely. And to me, that's that goes more into, you know, it's driving that crazy psyche that we saw from Gargano. You know, in his mind, he's this, you know, this noble being on this ultimate quest, you know, to make everything right in, in the world. But he, but he was almost, it was Joker-esque, right? That's who you always compared him to. Yep. And it, it made sense in his mind and it, in any means necessary, but it was worth it for the outcome. And now with this creative shakeup, as Triple H called it on the media conference call, the first thing that really stood out to me on this week's episode of NXT is it was happy face Gargano. As soon as the Tron hit, it had, it didn't have the venom looking happy face. It was the traditional happy face, Johnny Gargano. And from the second he got in the ring to face off with Adam Cole, it was very clear who we wanted to win this match and who we wanted to lose this match, at least inside of the presentation. Johnny Gargano is back to Johnny freaking wrestling. He is 100% white meat baby face again. I think that could play right into it. You know, he went, he went back to that and let him come up short again and let him just, and let's starting that fester again within him to drive him to that breaking point that a, a true, even beyond what we saw last time. One thing I've got to, I got to address here with the NXT fans, because I know that there's a lot of them that listen to this show. Stop cheering Adam Cole. Otherwise, you're going to turn him babyface. That's what's going to happen. Because I, I, I don't understand the psychology, Rick. People cheer Adam Cole because we like Adam Cole, and Adam Cole is that freaking good. With that in mind, shouldn't we boo Adam Cole? Like, quit making Adam Cole have to work so damn hard for you to boo him. If you respect Adam Cole, you like Adam Cole as a performer, boo him out of the freaking building. This this Adam Cole-Johnny wrestling chant was driving me freaking crazy at the beginning of this week's NXT, and you know Brooklyn is going to be the same way. Boo the bad guy. You know, this really, this plays into, I, I thought this way, you know, a lot for Kevin Owens, who's out there working his ass off to try to get some heat on himself, and people just won't go along with it. And it's it's more this plays into fans that want to be yes we get it we're all sparks we we know what's going on on the inside, but if you really want to add to the experience when you go there, play your role just like the performers the talents are in there playing their roles. Yeah, just boo the bad guy. It's really not that hard. And there's no, there's no redeeming qualities about the Adam Cole character. Like, even if you're a fan of heels, there's no reason that anybody should cheer Adam Cole. As, as Bello says over on Next Level, he's a swarmy dick. 
And he plays that character so well. I missed this version of Adam Cole, Rick. It's been a while since we've seen world champion, world champion contender Adam Cole. Because as soon as he gets that championship and he puts it over his shoulder or around his waist, that confidence and that cockiness just oozes out of Adam Cole. There's no redeeming qualities to swarmy dick Adam Cole. He is so good in that role. It's you know it's one of the things that I that I really really love uh, about doing commentary, the play by play, you know, and, and taking that kind of that that baby role there. I mean, there are, there are some tremendous tremendous talents of battle on the border, and, and just and just not in an athletic w- way, but just as as human beings, just great people. And one of the favorite one of my favorite things that I get to do. Is I have to go out there. They're, they're the villains. I have to. T- I have to like twist it and tell you and turn it to how terrible they are, how worthless of human beings, and, and how they give no respect or love for true competition. I, I love that aspect of it, and I think it. You know, it would help fans in the experience if you when you went to these shows, you got along and played into those parts, played into those roles. You don't have to hijack it. Enhance the show with things you can get involved in. So if you're going out there and you're giving Adam Cole all the shit in the world, you're actually helping him move forward in his career. Yep. If you respect Adam Cole, just boo the bad guy. All of the Undisputed Era. There's no redeeming qualities to the Undisputed Era other than they're that freaking good. Okay, well, you know what? They're total douchebags. So boo them. Because that's what they're going for. They don't want you to cheer them. Like I loved Adam Cole on NXT TV this week telling the fans to shut up. I don't need any of you. I can do this by myself. Like, he was working so hard. And at least half of that building just kept chanting for Adam Cole. Drove me and insane. I'll, and I will even add to this, you know, with, you know, sticking to kayfabe in that sense, even at like when we have our after parties, where all the talents are there, you know, everyone's having some food, some drinks and all that. We don't mingle with any, like if you don't really see babies in the heels, you know, talk here and there, but you, like, you don't see them like sitting at a table hanging out. Right. Uh, all the guys, you know, the heat that, that Robin Nelson with the wrestle podcast right here on our network, the heat he has with some of, you know, some of the, the villainous factions within battle on the border. They'll just walk by him. They'll just, they'll just walk right by his table and just be like, "Fuck you, Robin Nelson." <laughs> and they're all, you know, they're all. He's then come on his show. He talks to them when they're away from that atmosphere. They they get, they'll go have beers and dinner. But yeah, I mean, it's hilarious in there. I, I was thinking about getting a "Fuck you, Robin Nelson" T-shirt, trying to sell him at the show. I want a Johnny participation T-shirt. I thought that was a great line from Adam Cole. You're not Johnny Takeover. You're Johnny Participation. Oh, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, A couple other news and notes coming out of the uh, NXT conference call. Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijakovic. Uh, I still just can't get used to that. Yeah, I know. It's just off. Just call him Dijak. Triple H didn't want to talk about Keith Lee's medical condition. We do know that he's dealing with some kind of an injury and said that Lee Dijak was taken off of TakeOver, not because of injury, but because of the big creative shift at the last second and had to unfortunately move it up. But they will return to the program and continue on with it. 
Rick, as, as we look at this roster post WrestleMania, and we're going to talk about some post mania moves here. I expect both of these guys to, to elevate themselves to the top of that card, regardless of who comes out of takeover as champion. Yeah, I think it'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see who gets that nod because when we're looking at, you're looking at size and we've kind of peppered it in here in the conversation about potential moves to the red or blue. I think one or both of these guys could be on the move uh, a lot quicker than many, than many think. Especially if we're going to turn Big E heel and kind of go with, with, with him leading the uh, angry black man faction. I want Keith Lee as part of that. Why can't it just be an angry man faction? Because that's that's not the story that they're telling. I don't know. I think they, no. I, I don't. They're not blatantly saying anything here. No, not now. Anyone anyone could come out. You could plug in a white guy into that and still tell say that message. Because it's the people that are being held down. Yeah. Uh, Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan evidently is a wait and see. And there's, quote, more to come. But Triple H didn't have anything to say about him at this point. Rick, they they were really, really high on Lars. They were running all those video packages, all these vignettes to get you ready for the monster Lars Sullivan that's all of six feet tall coming to the red or blue brand. At this point, does anybody care? Uh, I'm almost wondering if they're just waiting for the contract to ride itself out. Yeah, that's... I feel like we're kind of done because I mean, you, you kind of, you get yourself in this tricky situation. I know when I say that people could just be like, well, just release it. Well, then there might be some legal ramifications because if there is any true ties in with the social anxiety and a, a, a medical release, I mean, then you could be looking at potential lawsuit. I, I don't want to say that is the case because I don't know all the details of that situation. None of us really do. Uh, we, we've heard rumors that, that all that was just a cover up. Because of the potential that he was going to fail a wellness test. Yeah, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot out there on this. And as I say, there's a lot out there. I, I'm going to tie that in what you just said. It doesn't seem like anyone really cares enough to go really try to connect the dots. Yeah, no. I, I think we all felt like we, when we found out that Lars was making the move to either Raw or SmackDown, I think everybody's response was, "Really? Okay." Well, and I wonder if it's a case too. You know, sometimes they make those moves because it's it's either like we don't really have anything for you here. You don't fit into this this game plan. So it's one of those, all right, well, let's sure get off the pot right now with him. Let's get him out there to the masses in the universe and, and see if we can get anything. I mean, yeah, he's only he's right around six foot, but I mean, hell, he's I mean, how solid is that guy? He's three twenty. Yeah, yeah and, he's, and he's nothing but rock, you know? Yeah, he's also about, you know, five foot wide. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, let's let's talk about San Jose. Uh, you, you referenced it earlier. Takeover San Jose is going down on June 8th. Uh, Rick, I, I thought this was interesting on a couple of fronts because number one, this is normally when we would be getting Takeover Chicago. The last couple of years, this is where Takeover Chicago falls into the calendar, but not this year. Takeover Chicago is going to happen, though. Chicago 3 is actually going to be War Games on November 23rd. Now, I guess my question to you, Rick, for somebody who would travel in for an event, because this is Survivor Series weekend, it's one of the big four, do you want to be going to Chicago at the end of November? 
Hey, I like Chicago in the winter. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I, I think it's great. I think there's a lot to do there. It's, you know, and if you're not, if you're commuting in, you don't, and you're not driving in the traffic, you're getting a lift or you're walking. Uh, yeah, I, I love it up there. I would much rather be in Chicago at the end of May, beginning of June, than I would be at the end of November. Well, I think on the flip, though, if you would flip those locations, you know, you could get more. You and I like you. I like where you're coming here. You'd probably get a lot more people that would take like that winter vacation to San Diego than Chicago. Yep, exactly. That was kind of my train of thought. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting about this is. There's no WWE event that week. Backlash is June 16th in San Diego. This is the w- June 8th in San Jose. We're, we're not piggybacking off of another event here. This is going to be a standalone takeover. It's going to be very interesting to me to see what the attendance looks like and what the crowd makeup is like. Well, I think even beyond that, what is what is the festival going to be like? You know, Are we going to have the other... You know, like a little access for them. Or is are they going to try a show? Yeah. Or, I mean, are they going to try to build this up as something special? This is NXT's first standalone. Are we going to get more than, hey, it's just a, you know, there's like a, a B level pay per view? Yeah. I think it would be really, it's going to be really interesting to see how it stands without that piggyback, like you said, where a lot of people would come in for an entire, you know, hit the two day weekend or two or three day weekend. And make sure you get both tickets because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get all the all the brands represented over the course of what's going on there. Or does it come off more like Evolution did and they have a hard time selling tickets for it? Well, there's a lot of other, you know, there's a lot of other, I guess, talking points that we could run through for the lack of success around Evolution. But this ultimately, you want to be respected as your own brand. You want to stand alone. Uh, where you're not just the, the little brother development anymore. This is going to be a great testing ground for it. So one thing that we haven't talked about hardly at you know, all. It, 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 real quick on that, though. Again, when we're talking about the location, I would feel a lot safer running a standalone show in Chicago than San Jose. Absolutely. Completely agree on that note. Uh, one thing that we haven't talked about hardly at all is what's going to happen on Saturday, and that's the Hall of Fame. Uh, Rick, we've been so wrapped up in G1 Supercard and how that card has kind of been filling out that we haven't talked about the Hall of Fame at all. Uh, Of course, this is going to go down Saturday night. I guess the question is, is anybody going to watch this thing? And do you think WWE knows that? Because when I look at this crop of Hall of Famers, it's very underwhelming, and I don't think I'm even going to bother to watch this ceremony with G1 Supercard happening at the same time. You know, this might be a little surprising to you. I've never really gotten a whole appeal with the Hall of Fame. I, I think it's great that it's there and the talents, people that have contributed to the business are being recognized. But to sit and watch something like that, I, I've just never gotten into it. My other problem is I don't feel like half of these people belong there. And, and and a big part of that is because this is the WWE Hall of Fame. WWE Hall of Fame. So I, I'm sorry. Harlem Heat does not belong in the WWE no, no. Hall right. of Fame to me. And this, this argument has is, is had every year. They have acquired those properties. because So now all of that is under WWE's umbrella. I understand that. But to me... Harlem Heat are not WWE 
Hall of Famers. That's just, if you want to call it the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, you can take up that lawsuit with the, the people up in Waterloo. But this just doesn't it Pro do Wrestling Hall of Fame. They don't get a sports entertainment Hall of Fame, possibly. But yeah. no, I know. I think, no, when, he, when they own that. God. When, when they own those intellectual properties, that becomes WWE. And, and more so than that, I mean, I think it's a little bit selfish that someone would say, well, they never, they never wrestled there. Well, that's, that's bullshit. Well, well, on the other side, how about good for recognizing the talent on a platform like that? Because I'm going to, I'm going to say, you're talking about people are going to watch this with everything else that's going on. I think there's a, a great majority that don't know about those other shows. They have no idea what's going on at Madison square garden because the bubble they live in is Monday and Tuesday night. It's the same in the, it's the same reason. I mean, look at the, the number comparison how many people that watch Raw and SmackDown have no idea about even NXT within the same company? So I think you're, you're still going to pick off a bunch of people like that. And I think when you have those masses, those eyes on a product like that, I think it's tremendous that that we're recognizing the great achievements and contributions of individuals like Harlem Heat who didn't wrestle as a tag team in a WWE ring or the Rock and Roll Express who never wrestled as a tag team in the WWE ring. Hey, don't get me wrong, man. I don't think Sting belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame either. Um, I also don't think Tori Wilson belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame, but I'm sure that you do. Yes. And I, this is another thing that I've kind of had it with. All these other, well, this individual should go in, should go in beforehand. This individual deserves to go, to go in before so-and-so. Get out of here with that. Everyone knows how this thing works. And it's not always about what you what you could do inside a ring, how great you work chain wrestling or headlocks or body slams. But Tori Wilson brought to the table far exceeded that because she brought mainstream attention. She was a crossover. She she did all she was great on television promotions, a, a cover girl. Multiple time graced the pages of Playboy, which brought tons of attention in. She was one uh, during her time, like it or not, she was one of the most popular female stars that they had. She was also fucking Billy Kidman, so I question her judgment. Um, I also don't believe that the Honky Tonk Man belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame. Ooh, you gonna get some heat on this one? Good, because you know what? The Honky Tonk Man fucking sucked. This whole greatest intercontinental champion of all time bullshit. It's a fucking rib, people. The whole thing started as a fucking rib. He was a terrible intercontinental champion that just cheated his fucking way to getting out of title defenses. Fuck the honky tonk, man. It was a goddamn rib. Hold on. Less is more here, man. That guy was a heat machine back in the day. I feel like this is quickly becoming the Hall of Mediocrity is what the WWE Hall of Fame has become. It's the Hall of Mediocrity. Honky Tonk Man, perfect example. And don't give me that Coco Beware shit because he doesn't fucking why? belong there either. You know, why not? You know how long he lasts with the company? Uh, again. When, give when him a gold watch. When they, were, when they were crossing over into rock and wrestling, all the contributions, uh, a, a, a true fan favorite, an early high flyer, exciting, the exciting persona. Oh, I thought, uh, I thought you were talking last- about Honky Tonk Man there for a second. And then you said exciting persona, and I knew that you weren't. To last that long, 
in backstage at WWE and what else you're bringing, you know, other contributions. It, this goes again to it's not all about wrist locks and body slams. There's so much more that's going into this variety show that is professional wrestling and the contributions being made. Now, yes, there most certainly are different levels uh, of the you know respect that we're are giving to individuals going into the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying it by no means should we put a Coco Beware or Honky Tonk Man on the same level as a Ric Flair, but there's still a spot for all of them to be recognized for their contributions inside how this WWE Hall of Fame and what and what it's what it's about. Everybody each year tries to redefine what they think it should be. We know what it is. One more guy that I don't think belongs. So just be happy. Just be happy for the individuals that are getting in and getting recognized. And maybe you're not happy about everyone, but be happy for the ones that you do appreciate. One more going into the Hall of Fame this year that I don't appreciate. And then we'll actually talk about the ones that I do like. Uh, Brutus the fucking barber has been reported as the last Hall of Fame member this year. Evidently, Rick, carrying Hulk Hogan's bags for 20 years gets you into the Hall of Fame. A great tag team champion. Again, a, a beloved persona. Best thing he ever did was stand there while Shawn Michaels threw Marty Jannetty through a plate glass window. Hey, main evented a, a Starcade. It's a fucking joke is what he is. Uh, you, were down, you were down with the disciple. Uh, I guess my question for you is how high is Brutus the fucking barber going to be at the Hall of Fame? I know how high he was at Starcast. How high oh, do you suppose God. he's going to be at the, at the Hall forgot. of Fame? I forgot about that. Oh, dude, he was fucking blown out of his mind. Out of uh, freaking hey, mind. Hey, hold on. All right, so we're sending in Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Maybe in two years we get the Zodiac, and then we get the Disciple. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, make Brutus the fucking Barber a three-time and, Hall of Famer. And, and, oh, look at all the gimmicks he's had. Then we could get the Zombie or uh, the, the Booty Man or the Boogie Man. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the two that I actually like. The Hart Foundation going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, this is something I can get behind, Huckleberry, because the Hart Foundation completely redefined tag team wrestling inside of a WWE context. It was the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. Those were the two teams that really defined that 80s era of WWF tag team wrestling. Congratulations to Brett on going in for the second time and RIP Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Were you a little disappointed or surprised that they didn't include Jimmy? Not really. Um, because you know, Jimmy Hart's got to induct the honky tonk man, right? I mean, he's still going to be there. Jimmy Hart has to induct the honky tonk man has to be Jimmy Hart. Yeah. You know, you know what would be cool though? I think you gotta have, you gotta get DDP involved and get that, get that pink Cadillac and have him drive honky into the, into the hall of fame. Yes. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. I would pop for that. Get get the hammer, get him the die job, get the old black hair going, and have him drive them all in, and then Jimmy does the the introduction. I would pop for that because I know a lot of people were kind of speculating that Jimmy Hart might do the heart, you know, and introduce the hearts. But I think that would be reserved for Natalia. Yeah, I agree. Natty has to be the one to induct the Hart Foundation, right? With with, with everything and. My glasses with all that shit. It has to be Natty that inducts them, right? That, that was a little nauseating. The uh, 
I mean, I think them highlighting Natty in the ring crying this past week was longer than the actual video package introducing that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, the other one that I like going in. This you know year, what? Good for them. Good for them because it, it does mean something to her. And I, I, going back to this should just be a feel good moment. The other one going in that I do like is, of course, D-Generation X. Uh, if for no other reason than China finally getting in and X-Pac getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, because I feel like Sean Waltman, when, when we look back at the Monday Night Wars, we forget how vital Sean Waltman was to that entire time period. And when he came back from WCW and joined Hunter, the night after WrestleMania 14, that was the moment that completely changed the tide of the Monday Night War. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, when we think X-Pac, you go to the X-Pac heat, and they forget how great and talented he really was in the ring. Uh, obviously, you know, it's sadly, uh, the lifestyle gets the better of individuals at times. Uh, and maybe we didn't get his true potential, but very influential. You're, you're right, man. He was right there to help change everything. Uh, and it's great that, you know, he's going to get this recognition. But I think it's even better what, what I just realized. We could have a pink Cadillac and a tank on the stage. The other thing I don't think that Waltman gets nearly enough credit for is redefining what a cruiserweight was inside of the WWE and really inside of WCW and then again inside of WWE because there weren't guys the size of Sean Waltman beating Scott Hall until Sean Waltman came along. Well, and that was all in, that was all because of Scott Hall. He realized how talented that he was and he knew for this kid to get a shot, you know, someone like me has got to put him over. Of course, Sean and Hunter and Road Dog and Billy. And I don't know. What's your favorite era, I guess, of Degeneration X? Probably the, the early ones, the original. Because I just really loved the, the program with the hearts. With Sean, Hunter, and China. And, and Rude. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, Rude was there for a little while. Well, until everything, he, he bailed because of how, you know, because of everything with Brett. Yeah. Yeah. I I really enjoy that. That's my favorite DX. Um, you I, know what? I, I'm kind of hoping. I don't think WWE would even care to give to give a rub like this to anybody. Would it be hilarious if they took the tank and they drove up to MSG and said they're coming to take their arena back? Oh, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um what, what do you think of the New Age Outlaws? Are, if it weren't for being considered parts of D-Generation X, which I never really considered the Outlaws part of DX, like I, I always felt like the Outlaws were just boys with DX, and then all of a sudden one day they were just part of DX, which... Well, uh, that's, no, that's how it ran. They, they For a long time, they just worked that kind of that loose alliance. Like, hey, we'll, yeah. we'll watch each other's backs. We're both kind of hip. Uh, you know, when you're looking at though with with road dog and Billy gun. It's just, it's great that they found each other. Would they be a hall of fame tag team? If they were not part of Degeneration X, I think they would, uh, because like you said, it was, it wasn't just that they were put in the DX that they exploded. They were popular as hell. They were, they were trendy. They were cool. They, you know, they had this rhythm, this flow about them that people were gravitating towards. And I think, WWE realized how popular they were getting. So it was like, shit, we better just officially put them in DX or they could surpass DX. Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn, 
that was one of my favorite characters when, when I was that age living in the moment. I just thought the Mr. Ass gimmick was absolutely freaking great. And then just kind of over the course of the years, you know, it was like, you know, you get the curtain pulled back a little bit about the guy behind the performer. And it was like, damn, just chipping away. But yeah, myself and Dolph Ziggler, I think we were the two uh, biggest badass Billy Gunn fans on the face of the planet. There we go. So let's go ahead. We'll throw it over to the break. When we come back, we'll jump on the road to WrestleMania and we'll see if there's going to be another show next week. We'll be right back. Nice to meet you. Where you been? I can show you incredible things. Magic, madness, heaven, sin. Saw you there and I thought, oh my god, look at that face. You look like my next mistake. Loves a game, wanna play. If the high was worth the pain Got a long list of ex-lovers They'll tell you I'm insane Cause you know I love the players And you love the game Cause we're young and we're reckless Won't take this way too far
time. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Boom, boom, Cocabana. Boom, boom, Cocabana. Boom, boom, Cocabana. It's Cocabana. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit the marks, which is weird because you're listening to Hitting the Marks. So that was our last night with their version of Blank Space, originally a Taylor Swift song. You a big T-Swift fan there, Huckleberry? Mm, I can't say that I am. Travesty. Love me some Taylor Swift. Let's uh, before we talk on about. I like the, looking at her. <laughs> before we talk about the road to WrestleMania, Rick. Let's uh, there's a bunch of other shows that are going on, of course, over the course of the next week. Uh, we're gonna do a G1 SuperCard preview. We're gonna do a WrestleMania preview. But are there any other events of the weekend that have grabbed your attention to where you're like, oh my god, I have to see that show? Um, you know what? I think that was an understatement that you said there is a, a lot of other shows happening. I'm looking at this lineup. Uh, it, if you haven't gotten your fill of wrestling shows after WrestleMania week, I, I, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, we got things kicking off Wednesday, April 3rd. You know, some big shows going on there. Uh, all the way through running through this list that really that, you know, that really jump out at me. Um, well, obviously, you know, you've, you've got Thursday impacts doing some tapings. I'm sure they're going to be bringing, uh, some big shows and people will be able to, you know, keep up with everything with impact there on our different platforms, especially over on the Humming media group at the impact attack. Of course, United We Stand coming up. That's going to be a huge show for Impact Wrestling. And uh, one of the big matches that's going to be on that show is famous dick wrestler Joey Ryan taking on Tessa Blanchard. Of all the matches announced for that show, including the return of RVD and Sabu, that's the match I want to see. I want to see Joey Ryan and Tessa Blanchard. Well, you know, hey, Friday morning, if you want to get your day going, get your day going the right way, big shimmer show at 11 a.m., that's going to... I think that's a pretty stacked card from what I remember. Yeah, that show looks really good. Stardom looks really good. The women are represented very well over WrestleMania weekend. I'll tell you, you know, everyone was talking about, you know, the possibility of, you know, NXT versus Ring of Honor, New Japan, what's going on in MSG. Uh, Those shows were separated. But now you've got, you know, TakeOver up against what I'm assuming because they run live weekly would be MLW. Yeah, MLW is actually doing two shows. They're doing the Battle mm-hmm. Riot, and uh, they're doing another show the night before. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, is Battle Riot the Friday show? Yes. Okay. 
so yeah, so that would be at 7 p.m. We'll have Battle Riot. NXT will be underway, of course, by then. Uh, but, you know, with everything going on there and all of our great friends that are in New York, uh, I know where Big Ray will be Friday evening at 8 p.m., and that is the penis party. Ah, he's going to the Joey Ryan penis party. Oh, not the wrestling show when he's got another penis party he's going to. Oh, he's going to the Robert Kraft penis party. I think it's it's one of those trade shows for his dildo emporium. Fantastic. I think one of the shows that I'm most looking forward to, Rick, isn't even WrestleMania weekend. What it's going to be is the Crockett Cup. I'm getting really, really excited for this Crockett Cup gimmick that they're doing inside of Ring of Honor, CMLL, New Japan, the NWA. And of course, this show is going to be headlined by the villain, Marty Skrull, who very well could be Ring of Honor world champion, taking on the real world's champion, Nick Aldis, for the 10 pounds of gold. And this week, they released on 10 pounds of gold on the NWA's YouTube channel. They showed the promo between Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis. The way that Marty kind of laid this thing out there, this very easily could be champion versus champion, title versus title. Does that change your perspective at all going into Madison Square Garden? Not so much. You know, I think that is, I think it's these two right now, you know, Using the, using the cards they've been dealt to to ultimately maximize the marketing for this NWA show, uh, we've been quite critical of NWA really dropping the ball. Or we felt dropped the ball after NWA seventy in in their marketing, where they've essentially disappeared. When it was all eyes on, you know, that's that your traditional product. Are they going to they going to you know move forward here? Are they going to stay in this game? And it, they kind of just went silent. I think this is these, you know, these talents just trying to drum up some interest. And I and bravo to them. I'm kind of thinking Marty Skrull wins the Ring of Honor championship at Madison Square Garden. I think that's going to be the biggest pop that Ring of Honor can possibly get out of MSG is Marty winning that title. And even if Marty is leaving ROH, you can always get the title back from him. And put it on Nick Aldis. How would you feel about Nick Aldis being a double champion? Well, you know how high I am on Aldis on all accounts. I mean, I think this guy, he ultimately has everything you want as a champion and as a performer. Uh, It's just a matter of getting it out there that people can see it and recognize it, how great he is. I could absolutely get behind Nick Aldis becoming the Ring of Honor and NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And I think it would be good for Marty to say, you know, yeah, I was Ring of Honor Champion, even if it was only for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's great for the resume, uh, great publicity for, you know, wherever direction that Marty's going to go in. I know both you and I are on the same, you know, train of thought that, that he should stay away, especially from AEW. For the year and just kind of keep on this, you know, what he's returned to the villain, keep on the past showing that he doesn't need to be the little buddy of the Bucks and Cody, that he can hold his own. And then within a year's time, when the moment is hot, when it's truly hot, he shows up in AEW turns heads as he's kind of there to disrupt, you know, the perceived success that they've had. Well, and let's not write WWE out of this thing either, because, of course, Marty Skrull's girlfriend is Deanna Perrazzo. We've been seeing Deanna Perrazzo spending a lot of time over at NXT UK 
could you see the villain making his way to NXT UK? Because that would be a great get for NXT UK and bring some star power and notoriety to that show. I would really like him in that role. Uh, really helps elevate that brand, uh, especially, you know, how they just they take to their own over there. They, they love their home, their hometown heroes, if you will. Yeah, I'm not I'm not writing NXT out of Marty's future. And I, I think that would, that would be a tremendous move. But if you told me anywhere else inside WWE for Marty, I would be terrified for him. Well, maybe at NXT North America, I could see that working, but I think he would be better utilized at NXT UK. Oh, yeah. I, it's not. And I think it's just it's so crowded in the original NXT. And I think Deanna is a great fit in NXT UK. What do you think of Deanna Perrazzo over there? I, I agree with you. I think it's tremendous. I think she's tremendous talent. Because I, I feel like if, if she comes back to North America, she kind of gets lost in that shuffle, too, to where there's so many women down there right now. But do, do you put Deanna into that NXT title picture or do you keep her over as a centerpiece of the UK women's division? Well, I think, you know, the longer that you're there in the UK as a centerpiece, that's only going to help your stock if you eventually make that move to North America. That's a good point. Because, because they're going to know that you stood out, that you are. It's, you're just not someone coming in that's just a face in the crowd at the performance center. You've proven that you can stand out under their own structure. I still need a Adam Cole versus Marty Skrull feud. That needs to happen because I got got it stolen from me in Ring of Honor when we were poised for it to go down. Babyface Adam Cole versus the villain. Oh, man, I need that program. Let's talk about the road to WrestleMania, Rick. Um there, there's a couple of things to talk about, but I guess let's start off with the, the card itself. As it stands right now, this card is at 13 matches, but we've been hearing that this is supposed to be anywhere between 15 to 17 matches. We're a week away. Are we seriously going to add another three or four matches to the show this week? Well, those were early reports. You know, as we were talking earlier, though, I mean, we still don't have anything for set for the tags. Uh, but then there's reports, too, that, you know, Vince actually looked at this thing and has played into recent decisions that they're going to cut matches because of the, the high number that we've got. But then again, you know, we're looking at a seven plus hour show. 13 matches isn't going to do it if they're doing seven hours, is it? Well, you're just going to get a lot more vignettes. And I think it's it, it kind of relaxes the perceived importance of having to watch the kickoff show. Oh, if, please, God, don't let WrestleMania be video package hell. I don't need that shit on a seven-hour show. I think a lot of it, not in the pre-show, I can get it, because you're going to have a lot of people that are really just tuning in. And, and I'd almost rather be that way for certain individuals where it can just be background noise, where it's not like, okay, we've got, especially you know, for individuals like this, they're going to have to sit down Monday morning and dissect this thing uh, for the mats of Urban Nahami Media Group. So it's it definitely takes a workload off for us, right? Yeah, it just makes it makes watching oh, the show no, no, such I think a it, chore. No, I, I think and this is you know the conversation we were having last week, and we had a great debate over on the Hami Media Discussion Group on Facebook about this thing. The difference between you know how Super Bowl Sunday is received as a comparison to WrestleMania Sunday, and, and one of the points that I was hitting on is WWE tries to you know, place an overabundance of importance on their kickoff show with all these matches here. I don't need those. Just let me tune in just 
at different times and, and let me know about the marquee matches, the real reason that we're all here. And, and maybe you do some different, you, you tell some different stories and features go behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, if, I really wish they would break it down where there's just they have different lineups on there where we know a half hour of that show is just Roman's journey. You know, those those human interest pieces that we see on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's nice to sit down and watch it if you want to. But ultimately, it's about getting everyone together, gathering for the party and its background noise until until it's kickoff. You know, until the actual show starts and WWE got away from that thing with all these damn matches on the pre-show. It's almost like they have three shows within one where we should just be worried about the top talents and the top matches at WrestleMania. The other thing I'm looking at here is I think a lot of these matches could be very easily damaged by giving them too much time. Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar, Roman versus Drew, Triple H versus Batista, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, Miz and Shane, I mean, all of these matches, you know, I'm looking at this card and I'm seeing a lot of like, you know, 10, 12 minute matches and Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. If that goes over five minutes, it was too goddamn long. And that goes over a three count. One, two, three. It's, it's, it was too long. I, yeah. You know, I, uh, but I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking if this is going to be seven hours of WrestleMania, including the pre-show. What, what do you think is going to be longer? The amount of video packages that we see on Sunday or TakeOver? Because you, I could see two and a half hours worth of freaking video packages on this show. Oh, certainly. And it goes back to what I was saying. Yeah, it makes for better. You know, for individuals like us, it's just background noise. But people that are just coming back for WrestleMania, they're gonna, you can excite the audience. I, I can't remember if it was, you know, here on the Hitting the Marks Person podcast or over in the locker room. Where it's like, if you didn't even watch the weekly programming and just tuned in for the kickoff show with the packages, you could get excited about this product because they do such an incredible job putting those together. It's the six weeks of just watching it each week. And beating your head against That's at least a sour taste in our mouth. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's start things off with the Universal Championship. Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. The Beast is going to be on Monday Night Raw this Monday. Rick, this program would have been so much hotter if we would have done it at SummerSlam last year. Right now, I, I just I don't feel any kind of heat here other than get that fucking belt off of Brock Lesnar. It's it's not that people want Seth Rollins to win this match anymore. They just want Brock to lose because they want the title back on Raw. See, I and I still I guess I'm I know I'm in the minority, and I'm and I'm holding true to the, that regime of less is more. I, I like that Brock is gone with the title. I, I don't need it there every week because then it just becomes the same old, same old. Uh, but you're right; that is the kind of sense of you know we're getting from the masses. It's not where we should, you know, the heat should be on a hot program to conquer Brock Lesnar, you know, or you know Seth establishing himself as the true face. It's more about you know this little side thing of. We just want our fucking belt back. We don't care who does it at this point. I am hearing that Brock Lesnar is negotiating a new contract with the WWE. Rick, we, we, we've talked so much about this being Robert Kraft mania, that there's happy endings going all the way around. What do you have the odds at right now? 
is Seth Rollins going to slay the beast or is Brock Lesnar going to retain this goddamn title? I think very telling that they removed all doubt that this is not going to close. And not so much, you know, everyone's just looking at, you know, the women closing from the first time ever for women and everything with Rousey and now the titles and all that. I mean, ultimately, it could just be to make this, in a sense, not the whole purpose, but in a sense, with all the attention there and all these, you know, the potential for all these other happy endings going around, this could be one that they slide by. And we've seen this happen so many times where, the, the plans are calling for it. The plans are calling for it. Brock, Brock Lesnar, he's losing the title and leaving. And then what do we hear? Last minute. Oh, yeah. He, re, he re-upped. New deal in place. New dates. And, and he rolls right along with that championship. The other thing I think that plays into it is we're going back to fucking Saudi Arabia in May. Do you really think Brock Lesnar is going to turn down that payday? And if Brock Lesnar is going to be there, don't you want him walking in with the title? And I think that might be another deal because we've got all this potential WrestleMania for all these other events to unfold that are going to keep the masses happy. That this might not, you know, cause that much outrage. And on the flip side, it it, it happens. The money talks and the Saudis influence booking decisions. And it might have been, you know what? We would love for a major title change to happen at our show. If you want to hear my rant about the Saudis booking WrestleMania, tune into the locker room from this past Monday. And that, and that's where Hulk Hogan will win the Universal Championship. Oh, for the love of fucking God. That happens, I'm never watching this shit again. Oh, I, I'm getting ready. I'm just trying to get you all totally fired up for this fight we're about to throw down with. Um, the other thing that I think plays into this is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Because Rick, of, of course... The way that I look at things, I look at things very, very long term. And when I look at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa Bay, Florida, I think your headlining match is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre for the Universal Championship. I would like that. You know, start something here. You know, this is really about that moment, Roman singles return. And and we've got some heat on this thing. I think Drew, you know, with the attacks and all that and the, you know, how he's handled himself on the stick. This is a program that they've really thrown. It was nicely put together on on a short notice, pretty much. My favorite promo of the week was a WWE.com exclusive. They they I think it was Kathy Kelly uh, caught Drew McIntyre backstage and asked him, you know, about what his prediction was for WrestleMania and blah blah blah. And Drew McIntyre had one word for Roman Reigns, and that one word was Claymore. And then he just walked off. It was freaking great. That was my promo of the week. Love it. Uh, hey, hey, it's very, it's, it's short to the point. Is it effective? And it leaves you wanting more, you know, how, what's going to happen. And I've loved that, you know, pretty much the, where we've had very little of Roman. So it, now we're wondering what's, what's the big dog got, man. We're, you know, we saw a little bit of that fire, but what's he going to bring at WrestleMania? To me, it, it's it's been a great undercard build for this thing, and I'm with you. If they have the vision, and I know a lot of people who are out there, they're you know they're shaking their heads at us because we're talking about WWE and long term vision. 
But if they can play this out and set this up where this is a hot year's build for them, you're talking about uh, a true mega marquee. The thing that really got me thinking about it was Monday on Raw. And they took a wide shot of the arena with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre standing in the middle of the ring together. And there was just that visual. It just felt like we need this shot for a video package a year from now. That, that, that it just screamed it to me. And I, as I look at this roster right now, when I'm thinking about it a year from now, I'm not sure that Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre isn't the best match that you can put out at WrestleMania 36. I feel like both of these guys, they just look like they belong in that main event. And I tell you what, man, Drew is, I don't know what it is, if it's just confidence, if it's posture or what, but Drew is carrying himself right now as the face of Monday Night Raw. Hmm. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. WrestleMania 36. I, there's only I can only think of one way to even make that better. Triple threat. You know, triple threat. Yeah. With Charlotte. Mm-hmm. For the love of fucking god. Um, let's talk about uh, Triple H and Batista. Of course, we. I felt like this week on Raw and SmackDown it was stipulation week. We have to get put all of our stipulations out this week. So it's going to be the game versus the animal in a triple H retirement match. I mean, if there was any question that triple H was winning this match, it's all gone. Now I triple H is absolutely winning this match. Yeah. And this one is, I think they just realize uh, the potential swing and miss here. Well, what they need to do, what they, they need to do. I think the wording words matter. All right. And we're going to talk about this when we talk about Kofi too. Words matter. The way that thing was worded was Hunter has to put his career on the line. I want Batista to come out on Monday and say, Hunter, this isn't about you as a wrestler. This is about your career. This is about you running the WWE. Your career ends at WrestleMania. I feel like that would put enough heat to actually warrant this thing because as, as it stands right now, it's just like, we all know triple H isn't going to retire. I mean, get the fuck out of here. I'm with you, man. I, I like that. And I'd go one step further, you know, cause I mean, they didn't, they didn't really have everybody in question and, and you know, in their minds, they're thinking there's no way, but I mean, it's going to add some suspense to it. So much needed suspense to this thing. I'd go ahead and pull the trigger for a little bit. Cause you can always finagle your way out of it. It's professional wrestling. And it's the beautiful part of it. I go ahead and pull the trigger and have Batista win the match. Yeah. Then what happens? What happens to NXT? Hunter's gone. Nobody's seen William Regal since like last summer. That's getting kind of weird too. I think that would be an interesting development. They should do that. Oh, you want to get, you want to make that really interesting. Maybe this is overbooking it, but maybe you have someone get involved where it's like Shane gets involved and costs Triple H the match. Bye-bye. I've been I've been waiting my time, patiently waiting to reclaim this, this company. I like that. All the way around, Shane O'Mac takes over NXT, at least on camera. I think that would be some really, really good stuff. Well, you know what I do? 
you got all you got these other projects, stuff like that, that they're involved with different divisions and all that stuff. Let let Hunter take an extended vacation and just work from home remotely. You know where he's not doing like the conference calls and things like that. Yeah. You, you go back to talking about a shakeup, sure, and then at some point, after having his legal team try to dissect this thing, he can't do anything. He does what he does best. He's going to come back and fight for it. So I'm adding to my WrestleMania 36 card. It's going to be Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre for the championship. And it's going to be Triple H versus Shane McMahon. Well, and if, you know, a lot of people would be like, whoa, shit, another Shane McMahon, Triple H. The, the, tr- the harsh truth is we get matches like that at WrestleMania. Yep. Yep. Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. Really, Rick? We're still fucking doing this? We're still doing this? Like, of all the matches that we're hearing getting axed, we're still going to do Kurt Angle versus Baron fucking Corbin? Really? You know, at this point, for, for poor Oscar, you know, one of the rumors that the reason the one of the rumors saying that the, the move was made is because they didn't want to just throw her out there in a match that no one would care about. I would rather see Oscar versus Kurt Angle. Yeah, that's what I, I would. Well, again, it goes back. You can name any wrestler in the world. Uh, no matter what level that they're at, it's still better than than Baron Corbin. So yeah, most certainly. Actually, uh, it still would have been it still would have been better. Asuka versus Kurt Angle, even if they put the, the SmackDown Women's Championship on the line, that's still better and and more appealing than anything with Baron Corbin. This has to be John Cena, right? Like Kurt Angle goes out, beats Baron Corbin real quick. And then John Cena comes out and we get John Cena and Kurt Angle. Like, I I, I can't believe that they're actually going to do Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, even in a five minute match. I just don't buy it. I don't even want it to happen. Yeah, I, I just I don't. At all. Buy I, it. Hope, I, I hope I hope Cena whoops Corbin's ass in the back and then comes out like we get Kurt, we get Corbin's music. He's nowhere to be found. Cue Cena's music and he comes. He shows the footage. He said, I, I couldn't. I, I've heard the masses. I've heard the WWE universe. I was with them. I couldn't stand that this was going to be your last match. I didn't have anything to do. So I just showed up at WrestleMania. We're going to make this right, Kurt. I feel like they're trying to placate the fans. Um, I, I Obviously, this week we had Kurt Angle beating Samoa Joe. We had at least advertised Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles. Monday on Raw, we have Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. It's it's like they're trying to placate us. They're trying to just satisfy us so that we'll just accept Baron Corbin. Um, But I I absolutely hated Kurt Angle beating Samoa Joe. And I don't like Kurt Angle beating Rey Mysterio Monday on Raw because we're getting Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title at WrestleMania. I like. I want to see these matches on Kurt's retirement tour, but this was ch- this is terrible timing. Yeah, uh, I'll agree one hundred percent. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title. You're looking for matches to throw off of WrestleMania. Y- you kind of could have started with that one. Like, I don't feel like there's any heat for this thing. This this screams pre-show to me. Well, because it came out of nowhere. You, you had programs going with the other guys, and then they kind of just switched directions and went here. Which brings us to Randy Orton and Randy being Randy Tuesday on SmackDown. We, we get the Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles thing, 
And Rick, it's like a three minute match before Randy Orton shows up with the RKO out of nowhere and, and which I'm fine with, but don't you feel like they should have gave us more than three minutes? Mm. Does Kurt have more than three minutes with everything he's doing right now and the expectations on him right now? And I think, yeah, I think, I think it adds more heat. It puts more heat on Randy as well because he, he stole that moment. He took that away from the fans. That's in, but wouldn't you're angry have, at him. Wouldn't that have been just as powerful in 10 minutes as in three minutes? And I mean, if Kurt, if Kurt doesn't have more than three minutes, then what, why are we even doing this? You, you know what I mean? Cause at this point I, I feel bad watching Kurt angle matches. Well, I wonder if this, you know, if they're getting so close. They don't want to risk anything with an injury because that is the reports. The reason that we're doing this is because he, he's going to be able to go much longer. He needs to get out of there. And it's great, you know, on a farewell tour. Yeah, it would be great if he's going out there and for six weeks he's able to have these 10, 12-minute classics each and every time out. That's great. But if not, it's still a chance for people to say goodbye at seeing. Now, what I really don't get is why we have to have this on both shows if you're worried about time or, you know, his in-ring work. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just not looking forward to Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio like I should be. We we talked about this. You know, we were worried with this happening on SmackDown. This was exactly what was going to happen. That Orton was going to get in here early and ruin this thing. We, we would have been more comfortable had you not done the Joe match, which I don't think you didn't. We didn't need that match. You didn't need your champion eating a pin there again. You could have just had AJ go to Raw, have the match, and then continue his program on Tuesday with Orton. Sad state of the U.S. title. Need John Cena. Miz and Shane get a stipulation because they needed a stipulation. It's going to be Falls Count Anywhere, so this is how we get around Shane McMahon jumping off of something stupid. Rick, was the stipulation really needed for this match? Uh, Yeah, in the sense of we got to have a reason why Shane's going to climb the stage. Yeah, I guess there is that. You know, or the scaffolding there. uh, We need that. But again, to me, is this enough? This thing is very personal between these two. This is about being the absolute best. And if it, and it, it goes back to what I pitched. It should have been either one of two gimmicks if you're going to put one on here. And that would either be a last man standing or a, a, you know, throw in a towel or you're better than me. So it could have been three options. I don't get this false count anywhere crap. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You could have had something that actually would have played in to the heat of the program. And I really like that one where you have to announce to the to the entire universe. Instead of I quit, it would be uh, you're better than me. You openly have to admit that. And it's, you know, how rewarding that would be for The Miz and how just degrading it would be if Shane McMahon had to utter those words. Could you believe that? Uh, McMahon having to utter those words? Telling someone else, especially an employee, an underling, that they're better than them? Pretty lazy, if you ask me, to just slap this thing on just so you can get Shane to you know, climb over whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I feel like they really kind of gimmicked out WrestleMania this week, and it bugs me. Well, uh, it's WWE. You I know. know it's, uh, it's lazy creative. It's low as common and I'm even booking. It, slap a gimmick on it. It fixes everything for them. It's the reason we have all these stupid-ass gimmick pay-per-views. We don't care that we don't we don't have to build a program that's a blood feud. You'll just accept it because it's October and we have to sell. 
And I'm pretty sure I could look on the roster right now and find six guys that I would love to see in a Money in the Bank ladder match that have nothing going on for WrestleMania that'll probably just end up in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Which, you know, there's things they could do even to, and I'm not always about, there has to be a prize. Sometimes it's for the honor, but they haven't done a, a good enough job of, you know, honoring the winner of that match over the years, which has been very disappointing. And to me, I'm a huge mark for, for Battle Royal style matches. And I always want, you know, better for that thing. Hey, a lot of this too, we got all these people all over this show. What if you had some, add some real freaking star power to the, to the Battle Royal? You know, something you wanted to see. You knew it was the best of the best. We're not getting we're not getting the scrubs and the SNL guys. Yeah. And sadly, one of those scrubs is Braun Strowman. Of course, you can make all of this right by giving me that Walter and Braun Strowman moment, because that would absolutely make up for everything. And that, that that would probably the way I'm looking at this card, that would probably be the most exciting moment of WrestleMania to me right now. Well, you know what, right now, I love that moment. Because it's it's about moments, about those visual things that you're going to remember, and you know, almost seeing those two like that, I, I don't want to say that the magnitude would be the same, but you could you could potentially create down the line those chills, like of when you saw you know the Hawkster and Andre nose to nose. Yep. So I'm going to set that you up saw too. Those behemoths. You saw those behemoths. Yeah. Set that up for next year at WrestleMania. You betcha. So so right now we've got Roman versus Drew for the Universal Championship. We've got Shane versus Triple H in your novelty match. And somebody's going to get those hands when Braun Strowman and Walter face off at WrestleMania 36. I'm really excited for WrestleMania 36, Huckleberry. You know, you know what I'd really like there too in that build? Because these two don't have to see each other all the time, but we tease things like that. You know, maybe it's SummerSlam. There's some kind of interaction between these two. And then obviously you could do it again. I would somewhere at an NXT takeover. I have Braun show up. Well, we, we and, then, and then you, and then you really set it off at next year's Royal rumble where you get another, you know, battle royal style gimmick match in those two square off. We've pitched it for Survivor Series, too, where we do the NXT invasion and you have NXT versus the WWE. I could see Braun Strowman and Walter as your as your team captains. And maybe you get like a two minute tease of somebody getting those hands at Survivor Series. But that's it. Right. And it's easy. You know, don't really let the other one don't do any 50 50. You know, it, it's pretty set. Like, Don't do the 50 50 in the sense of. Obviously, Braun went over this time. Make it a standoff every time. No, we you don't know what? Know. I what I would do. I would have them in the ring together to start the match, so that you know it's going to happen, and everybody gets super pumped up for it. And you get about two minutes of them just beating the shit out of each other, and then they go over the top rope and they brawl to the back, and you never see them again for the rest of the night. You think they're still fighting like three months later? If you want to create another moment here, uh, do we do we have the battle royal on the run here? No, I, okay. Well, I mean, it's a conversation that kind of spins and they all kind of tie together here. But real quick on this, you know, I wouldn't have either one of these guys win. I haven't, you know, either take each other out. Like you said, they brought it back. They're gone. We're looking for a moment for a very talented performer. And in the WWE universe, you know, those moments they look for, I would have Oscar win this thing, the Battle Royal. <laughs> I, I seriously would. Well, it, uh, that actually there, begs the if there, question. If, if there's any part of the rumor that they wanted something that people would care about for her and remember, 
they would they would remember her winning the Andre the Giant Mount, you know, Memorial Battle Royal. Which begs the question, are we going to get a women's battle royal this year? Because I, I haven't heard anybody mention it at all. Right. No mention of it. I mean, unless they're going to bring over like the NXT UK combined with NXT women in the performance center, we ain't got nearly enough to fill out a battle royal. Well, what what the hell are they going to do to get all these women on the card? Because you know they're going to try to get all the women on the card. Uh, what they'll do is an unannounced eight women tag match on the kickoff show. Oh, for the love of God. You know, and, and speaking of unannounced, I guess that brings us to the Intercontinental Championship. We do know that it's going to be Finn Balor taking on Bobby Lashley, but evidently a image leaked of a WrestleMania poster that happens to have the demon on it. So everybody is now assuming that we're going to get the demon at WrestleMania. Rick, is there anything they can do on Monday night raw that would warrant bringing out the demon to you? Because there's not for me, even like a massive beatdown of Balor without a week's buffer in there for Balor to tease the demon. I see zero reason for the demon at WrestleMania. Well, I think that at this point too, with the the short, the short turnaround, if they are going to go in this direction, you had to have started introducing this thing because I think I got I got a feeling there's a big part of this audience, especially this WrestleMania audience, that has no idea who the hell the demon is. Exactly, and why we should care. We haven't you seen know. the demon in what a year. Yeah, it was the and, the AJ Styles match. That was the last time we saw the demon, wasn't it? This is a case of it's WrestleMania. They need some kind of grand entrance thing. They want to help that moment. They want to create that moment. And as we're talking about moments, that it's. They have to have some kind of purpose and be effective. This is just a complete waste. And it, it completely it completely shows that that inside their creative, they have no idea what this demon stands for. And the true power, what they're giving away with it, the true power could hold for merchandise and marketing for them, which is ultimately the, the grand objective. It's so disappointing. That, I mean, that that's another one of those cash cows to me that I just, I do not understand how they have not capitalized on that gimmick. Just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So let's talk about Kofi mania, uh, because we'll, we'll save the big one for last, but I had almost as much issue with Kofi mania this week, Rick, as I did what happened inside of the women's division. Um, so Kofi Kingston ran the gauntlet, earned his right to WrestleMania. Vince McMahon screws Kofi Kingston by sending out Daniel Bryan. And now this week we have Vince McMahon put Big E and Xavier Woods into another gauntlet match to get Kofi to go to WrestleMania. Like Kofi Kingston didn't even earn it. Big E and Xavier Woods did. Rick, I have a lot of issues with this inside of the psychology of this booking. I, I kind of understand a little bit of Vince. Ultimately, the crazy old man is is playing ultimate mind games here with the new day. He, he's, he knows the frustration. He's seeing you know all this that is brewing within Big E. You know, I'm really wondering, you know, everyone was talking about the reformation of a corporation type faction with Vince and he going back where he was going to 
to really bring out that that fire, that that evil side of AJ Styles. Ultimately, is, is, is are we seeing this now with the New Day? I mean, think about the pressure that they're on here. I mean, for their guy, that last hurdle to everything they've been working for for years, they've been saying, you know, we are a unit, we're we're a true family, but it's about getting Kofi that title, give him that opportunity for what he has given to this business. What if they fail? You know, what's how's Kofi going to feel about that? How do they feel themselves if, if they truly believe everything they've been preaching that they've ultimately have let their brother down? What if at some point during this thing, you know what? What one of those two says, you know what? This ain't worth it. Screw this. What if Vince has gotten to one of the other two and has already bought him off or promised promised them, you know, all these grand opportunities? If they just go out there and screw Kofi, I think there's a little bit of intrigue. I think you can twist it. Do you think Kofi Kingston is walking away as the WWE champion at WrestleMania? I think, you know, it's, it's like you were saying, we're running down some of these big matches here. There's not going to be enough happy endings to go around. Uh, but I think, I think that the universe is going to get this one. Where does this fall on the card then? Because we know the women are going to headline. You know Brock Lesnar is, is going to be the semi-main event. If, it, if he's not going to be the main event, he's going to be the semi-main event. So where does Brian versus Kofi fall on this card? Man, and then you also got to throw in there too, you know, Triple H is one on one a prime spot. But what really are the prime spots in the seven-hour show? Yeah, that's that. Is and I know, and you know everyone, everyone is really excited for this women's triple threat. That's great. I'm, I'm excited for it too. I, you know, from so many different perspectives and angles that we can go at this thing, it's going to be very exciting. But no matter what's there, at that point, you're just so drained. <laughs> and we've seen it, you know, how dead the, the, the crowd goes in the arenas at, at those times. Yep. Because you've been sitting there in that tight little cramped seat for, you know, some individuals more than seven hours. And all the, the, the hassles of just an event like that, it, it wears on you. Uh, so you might see some of these big matches go early when they know the crowd's going to be hot. So let's talk about your precious fucking Shar Shar, the new SmackDown Live women's champion and the gross injustice that is everything going on with okay. Oscar. This, this absurdity this, that you have been spewing off about the entire week. It, now it's, it's coming to a head. This is the throwdown. So you throw out all your things. You're, you're blaming creative. They, they, they did a huge disservice. Uh, you know, it, it's the greatest act of disrespect you've ever seen or, or whatever you've been going on about here. But the overall picture is, you know, this was the rumor from the get-go that they were going to, that they wanted all the, the women's titles in this thing. Maybe they put it on, they, they put it on hold for whatever reason. But this has been the attention. This has been the draw. This has been the focal point. So now, instead of, you know, everyone have is upset about poor Asuka. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo with that. Play creative whoever you want, but Asuka is not over. No one cares about it. So why not, why not celebrate now that the alpha of the entire, entire women's division within WWE, the alpha is sporting gold, eight-time champion. She is a great representative. She does all the PR. So now on this road to WrestleMania where they are, 
It's in high gear, baby. PR every day. She's doing the big spot. She's got gold with her. Why can't we just celebrate that the women's, that the SmackDown Women's Championship went from a kickoff show curtain jerker to the main event on the grandest stage? If the defense for Asuka losing the title is shitty creative, that to me that's not an excuse. That's that's just fucking awful. What what they have done with Asuka over the course of the last year since Charlotte beat her last year has been an absolute embarrassment. And it, I, I agree with you there, but I'm yeah, arguing like, about the moment. Like to me, this isn't even about Charlotte Flair being the SmackDown Live Women's Champion right now. It's about the fact that Asuka is not the SmackDown Live Women's Champion, and the fact that the shitty WWE creative built absolutely nothing for her after she beat Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. To me, that's the issue. Char- Charlotte's the the SmackDown Women's Champion. Okay, cool. I have no problem with that. Doing it a week before WrestleMania because your creative department is so fucking shitty that you can't find something for Asuka at WrestleMania, that's just fucking pathetic. Well, I, I, get your, I get your point there. But I, I, in the moment, they needed to make a move. Well, they made a move. The there is, there is now a sense of importance there. Hey, maybe this all along, this was the plan for them. And, and this also irritates the fuck out of me, because if this was the plan all along, because I've heard that defense, too, and I think that's an ever-loving crock of shit, because do you know when, how long has it been since your precious fucking Shar Shar won a singles match? Been a little bit. Yeah, it's been November little bit. 20th. November. She has not won a singles match since fucking November. And she gets a SmackDown Live women's title shot out of the fucking blue? Because of the resume, the prestige. No, that's a crock of fucking shit. That's a crock. Then then, then John Cena should be challenging Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. And if he if he wanted to, if it was set up that way, then John Cena would have that right. That's why any the fuck out of here. That's why anytime he returns, he immediately is put into if he chooses into a marquee match. Or a title picture because he has earned that right. The resume is there. The pedigree is there. I think you need to win more than one singles match in six months to qualify for winning a championship. I know. Completely unreasonable. That's like that's like next year, regardless of what their record is, the Patriots should be in the Super Bowl just because of their resume. They don't need to win any games over the course of this NFL season. They're just in the fucking Super Bowl. You're you're comparing apples and oranges here. And you're talking about sports and sports entertainment. Uh, Yeah, this coming from someone who would just, you know, months ago would sit and defend one Alexa Bliss at all costs. And you sit here and blast at the honky talk, man. You, you talk about coward, coward champions. Uh, that was, that was Alexa Bliss's entire run. And you defend her. I, that, that's the point here. It's the talent there. That was the surprise, the shock. And now look what it's doing for that championship. It is on a PR campaign. It is everywhere. People see it. They're recognizing what it is now. There, people when are so gotta, excited that we're ready to fucking get rid of it and unify the titles. That's what the SmackDown Live Women's Championship means, even with fucking Charlotte Flair holding it because of shitty-ass creative. It is representing championship. You have a woman with it. People are in it. Ooh, what, what is this thing? Who And who says it's going away? 
they haven't announced any unification yet. To me, to me, right now, Charlotte holding that title is basically the equivalency of Carmella as SmackDown Live Women's Champion because that's how many char- matches Charlotte has won lately. I think it's a fucking joke, and it's fucking pathetic. But that doesn't matter. One, you know what she, you know what, you know what, the big match she did win was when she won the thing. She seized an opportunity. She took the ball, and this perfectly plays in what what you just laid out. Plays perfectly into the persona that they have right here. The character work that is going on. That this is a true played out there, acknowledging it. Roman Reigns treatment. Yeah, it is supposed to infuriate you right now, but and they're getting Reigns. this one right. No, they're getting this one right, and, and everyone's making a comparison. They're getting this one right because they're not in denial about the fact that she gets privilege. They're using it to capitalize her character and bring her heat where they were like playing, you know, well, that's not the case with Roman Reigns. Uh, Look on screen. Our authority hates him. But we knew in legit in the back what was going on. Now she is being coddled. That is playing perfect into her persona. Speaking of privilege, why does Vince McMahon hate Japanese people? Like, and, And why don't we talk about it more often? Uh, because you know, he is a, he's a big proponent. Uh, he's a very uh, involved in, uh, you know, with the animal activist community. And, and he particularly, his two favorite animals are whales and dolphins. Interesting because I, and, and, and this isn't even just an Oscar thing. Um, as I, I, I was thinking about this the other day and looking back, man, I mean, even going back to like, you know, Takamichi Noku is probably the first big Japanese talent that I remember WWE bringing in. You know what I mean? And it's like, since then, whether it's Kenta or Nakamura or Asuka, there's zero hope for Kyrie saying Io Shirei Kushida. Like, what, what the hell is the deal? Tajiri was a, basically a comedy wrestler inside of the WWE. Has there ever been, like, a, a Japanese wrestler that was taken seriously other than Yokozuna, who wasn't even fucking Japanese? Uh, do you know that most of you, know, a lot of people, he was he was more representing Japan. Uh, it was only for a very little bit of time that they even announced him from there. Well, yeah, Yokozuna literally means sumo in Japanese. Right, but but know, it doesn't so. mean it doesn't mean to be a sumo wrestler. You're Japanese. No. It's just representing that culture. But just a little, he just was a the best thing, representative of Japanese oh, culture yeah. inside of the fucking company like that I can ever remember. Well, you got to think, too. I mean, it was such a different dynamic then. You didn't have to. Get on, get on the stick, and, and handle you know handle your business that way. And with someone his size, it was just a novelty. You were in awe of the man, and he was so athletic even for his size. You know, it, it was one of those things in that in that era, that world of WWE. It's what you needed to work. It was a, it was a can't fail. Uh, now there's so there's so much that goes into this thing. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here praising Charlotte for her PR work that she's out you know on the campaign trail right now, rocking it with that title. Oscar couldn't have done any of that. I just, this is not adding anything to this match for me. Even if they do a unification match, I, this does absolutely nothing for me. Well, and I think I you know at the close here, uh, I think this is going to be one of those moments. This is going to be a question we're calling them because I'm seriously, I'm going with Charlotte Flair to win this match and hold up both of those titles. And I know a lot of people, this is, this has got to be Becky's moment. This is been building the man, the, the hot act at the man or or even if we want to have Ronda Rousey there, we're, we're talking about flair privilege and we're Charlotte talking must pose. Yeah. And we're talking about 10 years from now. 
we're talking about an image where she is the first female headliner for a hall of fame or, you know, all of the DVDs or whatever we have in existence at that point that they're going to be moving merchandise wise. That's going to be a moment in the image that WWE will want possibly need, you know, within five to 10 years from now. If they announce that they're going to unify those titles, I think Becky Lynch is the least likely person to win that match. And I think, too, you know, it's lost a little bit of steam here. Uh, And maybe by design, you know, we've talked about here how this really feels. This is more about Charlotte and Becky now than Ronda Rousey. Uh, Yeah, great. You've got that draw. You've got that star power, that crossover with Rousey. But, you know, even the way she's handled herself, she's really just exposed herself. It seems people, it's not about where, you know, the attention should be is the in-ring heat. The feud that's going on, it's just about her just shooting off her mouth and, you know, just trying to pop a few chubbies. It really is about them. And I think ultimately you got more money in Becky in the chase. And keep riding that for a little bit. I'm trying to think of where this women's division is going to go coming out of this because the the SmackDown women's division obviously has been taking to Twitter and they're basically echoing my sentiments here. I can't imagine what morale is like in that locker room right now. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. DeVille, Mandy Rose, Naomi, Carmella. I'm sorry that no one gives a shit about you. And, and I'm even sorry to Oscar, who is a tremendous talent, that they dropped the ball here. But right now, in this moment, it was the best call. And we're talking about, over the course of the last year, how they have just wasted the disservice to Asuka. This whole program, if you're going to have two women's champions, singles championship matches that, that people care about, the other disservice here is Alexa Bliss. You should have moved her over to SmackDown and, and let her and Asuka have a match because people would have cared about that as well. But they that's, didn't. that's the thing that's just fucking infuriating to me is when they say, oh, well, we didn't have anything for Alexa Bliss. Oh, well, we didn't have anything for Asuka. So we're just going to leave them both off of the card. And it's like, get your fucking head out of your ass. Like right. the, the brand split is so damaged at this point. We're seeing people go back and forth between shows literally all the time now. Like, I don't even know why in the hell we still have a brand split at this point. I think they should just kill the damn thing. Well, at this point, I'm with you. Because when you let it define, especially something like WrestleMania, this is what we get. This is a situation we get where there wasn't even a credible opponent for your women's champion because of the different programs you have going on. When you line up WrestleMania season, I don't care what color your brand is. You look at you, you obviously you have to break down your divisions. You're looking at women, men, tag teams. But pick out the 30 top talents and draws and put together a card involving those people. I don't care where they're coming from. This is professional wrestling. You can finagle your way into any situation. You can tell a story. You can move people. That's what you should do. And that's in this thing that, well, we got to stick with, uh, you know, we stick with. We got to stick with a brand or we got to make sure everyone's on this show, blah, blah, blah. That's where this bull, that's where we get this bullshit. And then, you know, this goes back to the point I was saying earlier, outside of those singles and tag matches that are your, that are your big draws. And then you got your marquees. Then you put everyone else in a battle Royal. And then people start caring about that battle Royal because it actually has some name value in it. And it's not the Titus O'Neill's and the Zack Riders of the world. 
And you end up with people like the Kevin Owens and, you know, that level in there because it just didn't happen to have something for them at WrestleMania, if you would. I think the two people that have benefited the most from the brand split are AJ Styles and Alexa Bliss. Outside of that, I have a real difficult time thinking of anybody on that roster that is in a better position right now than they would be if there was not a brand split. Well, and it's just not, and you're right, 100%. AJ Styles would never see the success that he has without that brand split. And the same with Alexa Bliss. And the same with Alexa Bliss, you know, who really was given an opportunity because they needed bodies. And you talk about seizing opportunity, running with the ball. She absolutely did. Uh, no one had given her a chance when she came up. And look at the success that she's had. Yeah, because she was a manager in NXT. That was basically her role in NXT. Yep. Uh, very few matches. She had a little short run where she was kind of uh, like rainbow bright, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of deal. Uh, and then she kind of got that attitude. She was managing, who was it? Blake Murphy, Murphy and Blake and Murphy. Success with them. But then she, she had to fly on her own and, and she showed that she could. But what you're talking about, you know, the branch split essentially has not helped anyone to be where they wouldn't be with, without it. Uh, but what it has done is destroyed divisions. It's the value championships. Yep. Yeah, because the the U.S. title division is absolutely awful. The Intercontinental title division hasn't existed basically because Brock Lesnar hasn't been around to defend the, the Universal title. So the Intercontinental title got elevated to the main event, which completely ruined the entire mid card. The tag divisions are basically pillaged. There's enough women for one division especially now that we have the tag titles involved. Really, the only people that benefit from this are the guys at the top of the SmackDown card because AJ, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, I, really those two. That's well, about because, it. because of this goddamn brand split is the reason that we have Baron Corbin taking on Kurt Angle in his retirement match. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I'm ready to kill the brand split. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find us on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Same as Instagram at HTMPWPod. Facebook hitting the marks. Twitch.tv hitting the marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, I also didn't write a close today. So how do the people find you? Well, as always, hey, we're gearing up for uh, WrestleMania week. We're going to have a, a ton of programming here on our network, the HTM Podcast Network, and also over on the Hami Media Group platform. Uh, I guess you know, we're going to be kicking that all off on Monday inside the locker room. We've got all of our shows, as I mentioned. I want to encourage everyone, as always, to make sure that you're heading over to the Hami Media Discussion Group. Uh, all the great chat activities on this uh, that's home stretch to WrestleMania for a little more, I guess, risque content uh head on over to the pw hustle discussion group also on facebook where you can just keep up with me rick Vickery, across all social media platforms at the real rbv monday in the locker room we'll have your full rundown of your schedule for the uh, week if you are going to be in the wrestlemania area not even the new york city area it's the wrestlemania area it goes all the way over into jersey for god's sake of course it's an upgrade for new jersey so we'll have the roh new japan preview what's going on for monday night raw tuesday smackdown your latest pro wrestling news hackerhameen.podbean.com for now 
we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- Yeah. <laughs>